Let's give it up for the band again. You know, wasn't that GNN video awesome? You know, prior to the GNN video, we had what was called the Good News Bulletin. And we always looked forward to have that paper copy that we would receive early on. And then from there, we, we stepped in the more modern area when we started to email those things out. And of course, now we're, we're actually with the times. We're actually getting uh, videos that, that really inspire and encourage us. You know, when I think about the GNN video, I think about the church plantings. You know, this year we're going to have a record 27 church plantings. And, you know, when you think about the church plantings, it just continues to show how much growth our church has. We have over 100 churches in 57 nations on all six populated continents. And Operation Eagle, which is to have a church in every state in the, in the country, we're up to 37 states today, and by the end of 2024, all 50 states will be planted. You know, it was, it was good to see the life of a disciple. You know, Teresa and I got to meet uh, Katerina in Kiev three weeks before the invasion. You know, one of the things that was great about what happened in, with Kip, Kip and Elena going there for about five weeks was we did not know this was going to happen. But what that did was it encouraged and strengthened the disciples to have convictions to where when the war started, they were prepared to be able to survive, you know, with what little faith they had. And, you know, the, the, the church in Kiev was amazing because it had, it composed of all Eastern Bloc countries, but predominantly Ukrainian and Russian disciples. And what happened was when the war started, all the Russian disciples had to actually go back home because they weren't safe in Ukraine anymore. And the Ukrainian disciples moved from uh, Kiev to Lviv and the sisters were actually sent to Poland because the brothers couldn't leave the country. And so when you think about what, what happened prior to the invasion, it was, it was God's hand in it to really save the disciples and to spread them out so that they can actually multiply in all these other areas. Turn with me in your, your Bibles to Matthew 7. And the Bible in Matthew 7 verse 24 says, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You know, what they got before the invasion was a rock solid foundation. And you know, Martin, Martin Bentley's uh, lesson on faithful for life. I don't know if, if you guys haven't read it or if it hasn't been sent to you. Please ask Martin for it because it will change your convictions and it will give you a more solid foundation. You know, when people lack conviction, they compromise. And when people get weak, they compromise. You know, there are many examples in the Bible of people that compromise. And let me, let, let me talk about a few. Eve, in Genesis 3.3, chose to disobey God and ate from the tree in the middle of the garden. Cain in Genesis 4.3 gave God some of the fruits of the soil, and he, but he didn't give God his best. Judas Iscariot in Matthew 26 verses 14 through 16 betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5 verses 3 to 5 lied to God and were killed. Turn your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. In 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 3 and 4. The Bible reads, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven. You know, the term new birth refers to a spiritual birth. The Holy Spirit acts of, of bringing believers into God's family. Now, Jesus used the same concept of a new birth when he explained salvation to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. A person cannot be a Christian without a fresh beginning based on the salvation that Christ brings. When we receive God's magnificent gift, he brings us new freedom, a new identity, and brings us into this amazing family. Today, we have been given another chance for eternal life. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, it's described, as, it's described as an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. But we have to trust that this is a promise from God all the way to the very end. You know, in Zechariah chapter 7, now I'm giving you guys a runway here before my actual lesson. And in Zechariah chapter 7, verses 8 through 14, it says, And the word of the Lord came again to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion unto one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreign or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. But they refused to pay attention. Stubbornly they turned their backs and covered their ears. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or the word of, that the Lord Almighty had sent by his Holy Spirit through the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was very angry. When I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen, says the Lord Almighty. I've scattered them with a whirlwind among all nations where they were strangers. The land they left behind them were so desolate that no one traveled through it. This is how they, were, they made the pleasant land desolate. You know, almost every sin seems more natural when we do it the second time. Just think about that. Every time we do it, it gets easier. When we stop listening to the voice of God, each act of sin does become easier. Ignoring or refusing God's warning hardens our heart and makes us drift further from God. And many of us have seen this over the years. One way to reawaken our sensitivity to God is to spend more time with Him in His Word. Apply it. Sensitivity and submission to God is what tells us in Scripture how to soften our heart. Many people try to go at it alone. They try to do it themselves. It doesn't work. Discipling. We need that in our lives to really help see what we really look like from the outside. You know, when you look at, when you, you know, many years ago, when we first became disciples, I used to be one-dimensional in the way I look at things. I used to look at things from the inside out. I never really understood what it was like to look like from the outside in. And so as disciples, we got to be two-dimensional. We can't be one-dimensional in the way we see, see things. It's not my way or the highway. It's, it's the way that we need to, to, to live so that we can help others through very difficult times. Now, what are some of your convictions that you've learned from the Bible? And what scriptures do you have to support it? Which leads me to the title of my lesson. Compromise, Satan's temptation to steal eternity from you. You know, the word compromise is an agreement or settlement of a dispute that is reached by each side making concessions. 
accepting standards that are lower than desirable. You know, compromising is easy. To not compromise is very difficult. There's a quote from Mahatma Gandhi that says, all compromise is based on give and take, but there can be no give and take on fundamentals. Any compromise on fewer fundamentals is surrender, for it is all give and no take. You know, point number one, compromise has consequences. You know, with every bad decision we make, there are consequences. You know, when I was a kid, I got a lot of spankings. You know, that was when, before CPS was introduced to you young guys and, uh, and it withheld you guys from getting spanked. <laughs> you know, when I, you know, and my, my spankings were deserved. I was a very disobedient kid. Does this sound like any of you in this room? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I mean, I did a lot of crazy things when I was, was young. You know, one of the funny things that I thought was funny at the time was, uh, you know, making spears out of uh, rebar and uh, attacking the banana trees with my cousins. I didn't know it at the time, but my dad was coming around the corner with his car and, and all my cousins took off and I was the only one there holding the spear. <laughs> that one was not a good, good one to go home to. I couldn't explain my way out of it, but... That, that is what it was. Let's turn our Bibles to Genesis 6. Compromising has consequences. In verse 5 of Genesis 6, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord had regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I've made them. You know, God saw man's wickedness and the evil thoughts in their hearts. You know, when God felt this way, man had already been on the earth 1,500 years. We have a patient God. And to, to wait 1,500 years to feel this way and to have a broken heart about what he felt what, that we were doing really, really, really tore him up. You know, to read in, in that God was so grieved, and the word grieved means great sorrow, that he felt like killing what he created. You know, when you think about this, 1,500 years is a long time. But the lifespan of the, of, the, of the human at the time was quite long. You know, today we average what the oldest person would be 120. Even the Bible says that he would not allow man to live past 120 years. And so God has a, not, he has not less patience, but more love for us in giving us less time to sin, to be sinful. And so, you know, when you think about it, compromising has consequences. And we're going to look at an example of, of one individual that we're going to see his life progress in, 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 in what he had done. Which leads me to point number two, Solomon's gift from God. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 3. 
You know, if you were able to give it a, get a gift from God, what would you ask for? And why would you ask for that? This is a question that you yourselves should ponder. What would you ask for? And what would, what, and what would that, you know, why would you ask that? But in 1 Kings chapter 3, we're going to look at Solomon here. In verse 7, it says, Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased with Solomon, what, that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you, have not, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. You know, in his youth, Solomon was humble. You know, he asked for wisdom, and God gave him even more. But the wisdom he received was wisdom like no other king. And during his time, when Solomon was ruling, there were no wars for him to fight. So there were no distractions. And life was grand. You know, let's look at the level of wisdom that Solomon was given. Let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 4. And 1 Kings chapter 4, we're going to pick it up in verse 29. It said, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight, and a breath of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the East, and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan the Ezraite, wiser than Hermon, Kalkal, and Darda, the sons of Maho. And his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke, he spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. He spoke about plant life, from the cedar of Lebanon to hyssop that grows off the walls. He also spoke about animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. From all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. So we see here that Solomon's wisdom was unmatched. What he, what he knew surpassed the wisdom of all the wise men com, com, combined. Now you, you could say, that's a very smart guy. Let's, for, let's look further into Solomon in James chapter 3. We're going to pick it up in verse 17 and 18. So we look at Solomon's wisdom and what God gave him, and it equates to what this says. It says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. 
Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. This is the kind of wisdom Solomon received from God. It was pure. And purity of heart that was not tainted or compromised. You know, in the movie Men of Honor, I know many of you probably did not see it because it was quite some time ago. It was starring Cuba Gooding Jr., if you guys even know him. But there was a quote in that movie that I grabbed onto many years ago and I still think about today. It says, a few drops of machine oil can contaminate an entire ship's water supply. You know, a ship holds over 20,000 gallons of water. And if two or three drops of machine oil will contaminate it, it just tells you how much sin can contaminate our hearts. Now here this, Solomon's the wisest guy that ever lived. But he had a shortfall, he had a shortcoming, which leads me to the third point, Solomon's compromise. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Kings 11. Yeah, the topic of compromise is not one that we really think about or talk about, but we get involved in it all the time. But in 1 Kings chapter 11, we're going to pick it up in verses 1 through 13. And this is where Solomon had his downfall. It says, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from the nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts away, turn, turn their hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth, 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as, his heart, as the heart of his father David had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of, of the Sidonians, Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David, his father, had. You know, with, 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 his, with his life, Solomon compromised his relationship with God to feed his selfishness. He fed his lust for women that he married all of them. You know, God warns us in Exodus 34, verses 12 to 16, about yoking, about yoking ourselves with Somebody that doesn't believe what you believe. You know, who you spend the most time with is who you're going to become like. If you want to be a spiritual man or woman, spend the time with a spiritual man or woman. If you want to, if you want to, to live a more uncompromising life, you've got to do things very different. You've got to think very different. And you know, Solomon, like I said, was the, the wisest man that lived. You know, with, with wisdom comes responsibility. He was not responsible for what he, was in, 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 he, what he was ruling over. But let's fast forward to Solomon's life before he dies. So we see here the progression. He receives wisdom. Then he becomes stupid. Let's say, let's say the word stupid here. He becomes irresponsible 
But look at what happens to him in Ecclesiastes 4. We're going to pick it up in verse 13. And this is what Solomon says about his kingship. It says, better, better a poor but wise youth than an old but foolish king who no longer knows how to take a warning. When Solomon was younger, he was wise. When he got older, he stopped listening to God's voice. You know, when you think about it, advancement in this life without God is meaningless. And he writes that in Ecclesiastes. Everything is meaningless in Ecclesiastes 12. So we see the progression of a very wise man all the way to his final thoughts where he says, I should have listened to God. As a result of Solomon's compromise, God tore the kingdom away from him. I believe that if he would have carried it on to completion, it would have continued. So the question is, how do you compromise in your walk with God? You know, Solomon compromised with his selfishness and disobedience. Are you compromising any part of your relationship with God? You know, the first thing that usually goes when somebody starts to get weak and, and starts to get compromising is they start missing church. All it takes is one time. Then it gets easier. You make excuses. Oh, I got this. I got that. You know, like I said, it, it starts with just one compromise before you start doing it. It's kind of like anything. It can become a habit. Next thing you know, you're gone. So what needs to change in your life if you're in that place? Only you can answer this question. Because being a disciple is a choice. And being a disciple is a decision that we each individually make. Let's look at Matthew chapter 26. And we're going to close it out with this scripture in verse 52 to 54. It says, put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by this sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father? And he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? You know, if Jesus compromised, Satan would have stolen eternity from us forever. And because of his love for us, we now have the opportunity to save as many as possible. You know, what we saw in the GNN is a result of uncompromising faith of many disciples like yourselves. If you're visiting with us, or the person that invited you, ask them to study the Bible. If you're studying the Bible, complete the studies. And get to know the Jesus in the Bible that you always meant to, to get to know. And with that, to God be all the glory. Thank you.